At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I appreciate being with me. It is Monday, May 8, 2023. If you look back on the stock market and how it's been behaving, and performed, you you know, you may see a very different market than we were a couple of years ago. You are going to see a very different market. It's done much, doesn't hasn't done much this year. And frankly, to be honest, and I've said it many times, I don't expect it to do much this year. I think we're going to we're still going to be remain in our bear market uh, until the end of the year. Okay, and that means all last year and so far all this year. It's a bear market, okay? Now, this year hasn't been too too much on the decline side, but we're not, I don't think we're finished, especially as the Fed did raise a quarter point last meeting, the market kind of liked it. I think people are anticipating that they're very close to being done raising rates. The market likes that. If they're done raising rates, the market looks forward and says, well, maybe the next move might be down. And they could be right. We don't know. We'll have to see how the inflation numbers play out. I'm Steve Pizza. I'm here today on this radio program podcast to help you make the most of all this very difficult market we're in. You gotta make you gotta make strategies decisions on your portfolio. So I look forward to doing Invest Talk Podcast to help you with that kind of information, help you make those decisions and answer your questions. 
This is a call-in show, as you know. And we're live every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. And I always am careful about giving you straight and unbiased answers, and I have no hidden agenda. Jess and I, we don't have that. Okay? Um, since the investment, investment situation is vastly different, we have to be a little bit nimble and be a little bit different with it. You know, you can't just do what we used to do, and what most people did was buy growth stocks and just hold on to them. And you see how much that has been very painful for you uh, last year and this year. Um, and I still think the growth sector is dangerous. I think there's opportunities there, but you're going to have to take a very long-term perspective. You're just going to have to. Um, and the opportunities in the value side are getting more difficult to find. And that's just the nature of the beast when people... I mean, I have one of my talking points is talking about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, you know, two, they're, they're partners at Berkshire Hathaway, and the difference in what they think and what's going to happen in the future. So we'll, we'll hopefully get to that. Um, in other words, you know, we're going to lead another lesson on how to, how, how to think, how to shape your thinking, how to change your thinking, how to be nimble in your thinking make it to, so you can be successful. That's all. It's that simple. And to do that, we use our call-in number, 888-99-CHART, and ask you to ask questions. I mean, we could talk about easy. Justin and I can talk about the market for an hour easy every day. It's easy. We talk to each other for longer than that. So we can talk about it if you want. My focus point today, what do rising interest rates mean for diversification? You've always heard us talking about, well, you need to be properly diversified. You need to rebalance your portfolio. Well, what does rising interest rates mean for diversification? And history offers some key lessons that we'll go over here. Okay? And time permitting, I'll also dig into the topics that I picked out this morning. Uh Debt ceiling, I want to talk about that. It's coming up June uh, June 1st is the deadline, so maybe we should discuss it a little bit. China's debt-to-GDP ratio, have you seen it? It's best, I don't know how much is accurate because it's difficult to get any kind of accurate numbers out of China, but we have a, you know, that we make, we mean the United States uh, uh, analysts make a good guess at what we think it is. And Berkshire Hathaway had its annual meeting, and that's why I want to talk about what the difference between Buffett's optimistic view and Munger's a little bit more pessimistic view. So that's what we're going to discuss. But of course, as I you know, you drive the show in the direction you want to take it, and we'll talk about those things if time permits us to do. Also, we have some voice bank questions, uh, investing factors that we use. Um, is a question, and IWM, that's the Russell 2000 ETF. Okay, and I must, might also be able to fit in an iTunes preview question. I'm hoping that we'll be able to do that. Okay, so I've got a lot planned, right, which we do every day. But again, your live calls come first. 888-99 charters our number, 888-992-4278. And let's go who let's go to a live call right now. Robert in Pleasanton. Hi, Robert. Hey there, Steve. Hey, so uh I know a lot of these bank stocks have been getting pretty beat up and I think sometimes uh maybe unfairly, but 
I'd like sure. to get your opinion on uh, Comerica because I was looking at that this morning and it's come down a lot, um, which now has resulted in a pretty high dividend. Just like to get your thoughts on on that particular stock. Yeah, that's a pretty good bank. Uh, Coal America, symbol CMA, holding company for Coal America Bank operating via 551 whole uh, banking centers, primarily in Michigan, California, Texas, Arizona, and Florida. They have a market cap of $4.7 billion, so it's a mid-cap company, not extra large. And the small and mid-cap companies are the dangerous area of the banking industry. And I agree with you. There are going to, Robert, there are going to be winners Big winners in this section. There's going to be huge winners, but also there's going to be, I think, more big losers. When I say that, small and mid-sized banks who get who tank, who go out of business, who have to get bought by somebody else because they're in financial shambles. And I, you know, and my problem is I I'm having a hard time determining which ones will be which. Okay, now this bank numbers look very healthy. Uh, they're going to make eight dollars and twenty-two cents a share this year. And it's a thirty-six dollar stock. Next year, they're going to the earnings are going to go down to seven ninety-one. And even this year, the earnings are down from eight forty-seven last year to eight twenty-two. That's only three and four percent, not very much. Meanwhile, sales are actually higher in the last four quarters. Many banks, it's lower, but it's actually higher for them. So the question is: Is what kind of banking operations do they have? Where you know their headquarters out of Dallas, Texas, but where is the um, where is the weakness? Um, do they have a lot of long-term treasury that is really destroying their their balance sheet? Do they have a lot of commercial uh, buildings on their uh, loan port portfolio? That are having trouble filling up the billings with work. See, these are, these are things I don't know. But it pays a 7.9% dividend. It looks very healthy. Return equity is 18%. The five-year P.E. ratio is 3 to 22. And the P.E. ratio is probably about 4 or 5. Those are all very good numbers. Okay? Um, I noticed that the mutual funds have been slowly selling it off in the last year. So the bank itself, on looking at the numbers, looks pretty darn healthy, okay? But I would look into its loan portfolio. I think that's more important now than their their uh, balance sheet to how much they're holding of long-term treasuries because, you know, I think that problem can be addressed or might have been addressed, but that vacancy rate in commercial properties is a problem. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the call. We're going to be a, take a quick break, everybody. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank, or or if you are listening via live stream or on AM two twenty radio in the Bay Area, you can call now eight 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 ninety nine chart. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast. How do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Foods, this is where I'd buy it. 
benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24-7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99Chart. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Steve Peasley is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Okay, real quick, what happened in the market today? The Dow was down 56, the NASDAQ was up 22, and the S&P was up 2. So it was a mixed market day. Biggest companies were were the weakest part of the market. Um, Dow is only comprised of 30 very large companies, right? The Dow Jones 30. And the NASDAQ was 100, uh, large largest company on the NASDAQ exchange. And the S&P 500 is the uh, S&P 500 largest companies usually okay let's grab another call question this company this call came in earlier 888-99 chart hey steve hey justin cannon from the atlanta area i'm uh, looking to, to get a little exposure in small cap um as you guys have been suggesting over the past couple months don't really have the time to be looking at individual stocks more of an etf but i found iwm is something that i'd like to put a little bit of money in can you give me uh any guidance Thumbs up, thumbs down. What are you thinking? This would be minimum 20-year investment. Thank you. Okay, this is the iShares uh, Russell 2000 uh, exchange-traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the price and yield of the Russell 2000 index, small-cap stocks. Um, so you're going to be tracking an index, a Russell 2000, and it looks like, to me, it looks like it's finally uh, over the last, I don't know, year been chatting, uh, chattering in a range with the low of the range about in uh, the low 160s and the high of the range about 200. And right now it's at 174. So um, without if the market doesn't tank, this would be a good area to purchase it. And I noticed that volume, volume has picked up on a weekly basis in the area that it's just channeling. I mean, it's channeling in a shorter-term period. If we just go back to, like, March, uh, a short-term of 167 for the low and 180 for the high is 174 now. And that's in the last few months. And it's right kind of in the middle of that. So it, it might, for a small piece, for for diversification, because the small stocks are the ones that will move the fastest, but they're also full of growth stocks. And growth stocks do tend to do poorly in a high interest rate environment. So just be aware of that. But maybe because they were as high as 250 or so, you know, during the heyday in, in 2021. And the low is 100, a little below 100 in the COVID fall. So, you know, that's the larger range that it has obtained. But, you know, here I think it might be a good idea. Okay. When people take time out to leave an InvestTalk podcast on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Gene Cosse, and he wants to talk about OMF, 
And I'd like you guys to take a look at the ticker OMF, One Main Financial. Seems like it's been dragged down with the bank socks and just announced a $1 per share dividend. I'd like your thoughts on adding this to my portfolio. Okay, um, that's about a three and a half, four. Uh, well, if it's a $1 per quarter, that would be $4 a year. And that's about 11, 12% if they can maintain that. One Man Holdings, it's another mid-cap bank, it looks like, $4.3 billion, mid-cap size, provides personal loans to a network of 1,400 branches in 44 states uh, through iLoan. It's it's internet, online um, outlet. They have lots and lots and lots of debt, a really huge debt, that worries me. Uh, And they're paying out a huge dividend. And their growth rate is not nearly as I, I, I you know, I, I like the dividend, really like the dividend, and the earnings is seven dollars and sixty-five cents a share. Pretty good for a thirty-five dollar stock. But again, same same answer as the bank before. Looks like they are more into personal loans, and I feel more comfortable with personal loans and commercial loans at this point. We'll take a quick break. I'm here, ready and, and inviting your questions. This is Invest Talk eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eric from Phoenix, hang on. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. I make them into easier to understand elements. Each question is tackled live without pre screening, and some topics are more challenging than others. And that's a good thing because it allows every InvestTalk caller to shape the content of the podcast. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your InvestTalk questions on the 24-7 anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We'll take, we, you know, we took a quick break, but we'll take a live call now. Eric in Phoenix. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Steve. Thank you for the call. Hey, I wanted to ask about Tyson because they were down when I looked down to like about $50 a share. Just wondering what you thought about today's earnings, what you uh, feel about them now. Well, the problem is is they uh, had a poor earnings compared to what they expected because of lower uh, beef and chicken prices. And uh, that was kind of unexpected. unexpected. Even though the guidance uh, for next year is nice, uh, bounce up at 30%, this year earnings are expected to be down 50% now. That's $4.13 a share on a $50 stock, which means 11 p. And Tyson Food produces beef, chicken, pork, related products. A food company doesn't have high PEs, never has high PEs. Usually it's a low PE, and their five-year range is 7 to 17 and their P.E. range uh, right now is going to be 10 based on next year's earnings. So, you know, right now they're, they will be what we would call fairly priced. Of course, you got killed because you bought it higher. But I'm saying right now they are fairly priced, and I wouldn't be surprised if they held the, the price range they're in now. $50 is pretty low for them. Let me get, take a quick look backward yeah, this uh yeah, they were they were down in the COVID low in the forties, 
before that, in this 50 was pretty strong holding point. So it, it wouldn't be surprising if they got lower, but this is this is about as low as it's going to go, I think. Okay? So you think Eric, it's primarily based on uh, just shrinking margin? Yeah, I think their margins got squeezed. Uh, I think the pri- uh, the 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 fundamental business is very strong. Okay, they're not going anywhere. Well, their cash flow is almost twelve dollars a share, huge, and they're you know and they don't have that much debt. And the return equity is very solid at seventeen. They this is a good solid company. They just had a bad earnings report, and that was kind of expected because this price has been falling for ever since you know March of last year. It's been falling, and then tried to hold and stabilize around $60, and it couldn't make it. Thanks for the call, Eric. Appreciate it. My focus point looks to the story behind the what do rising interest rates mean for diversification. Now, you know, that's a pretty long article that you can read on our website uh, on today's focus point, uh, and it's an article written by Emery Zink. and talks about the historical interest rates and previous problems, the great inflation period of 65 to 79, the Volcker reform from 79 to 1982, the great moderation movement 1982 to 2008, and zero interest rate policy from 2009 to February 2022, last year. So it talks about correlation between stocks and bonds, and usually bonds are when stocks go down, bonds usually are rising because uh, when stocks go down, that usually it foretells a economic slump, and therefore the Fed's raise, ready to uh, lower interest rates to get us out of that future slump, but not this time. You notice that the stock market fell down and the bond values lost tons of value because of the seven increased rates. The Fed has put has uh, implemented uh, in the last year and a half or so, not quite year and a half. Um, so rising interest rates makes bond values go down, but it also means the yield on bonds is much better than they were. So how do you how do you live through this? Well, you know, if you have bonds, if you hold on to maturity, you'll be fine. You'll still get what you your your yield, and the bonds will mature. At, and you mature at par value what you bought them for when they were first issued, and you'll get your money back. Meanwhile, though, in between times, the value of the bonds have gone down because interest rates have risen. Now, the Fed may be done with raising interest rates. Therefore, it might be a good time to be buying and extending your bond maturities a little bit, not greatly because we don't know for sure, to get a higher yield. You're looking for yield. This is the time to get that yield. Get the yield while the yield's good. Okay? Now, will interest rates rise and therefore the value of the bonds go down? Sure. If that happens, if they keep raising rates, yeah, values of the bonds will go down, but you're now getting a higher yield, and if you hold it to maturity, the bond will go to par. You know, so, so it's okay long as you have your eyes open, knowing what you're doing. And bonds are a little trickier than stocks. They don't act like stocks. They act different than stocks normally. So you just got to be aware what's going on. That's it. Knowledge will help you greatly. On the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. 
Is it a good idea to align your retirement withdrawals with your portfolio performance? And I'll be on doing the show tomorrow, so I'll be answering that question, okay? So that's tomorrow. For now, I'm Steve Peterson. I'm ready to, do you, to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99 Chart. My name is Randy from Iowa. I'm currently in Illinois because I'm a truck driver, and that's the issue. I don't have a lot of time each day to study and dig in like I know is necessary to really understand. Your program has helped a lot, but my question is this basically. If you were in the situation of not working in the field you do, in other words, if you were not a professional investment advisor and were limited on time, how would you pare it down? What are the very minimum basic things that you would want to study to understand before making a stock investment? I know there's a lot of factors and uh, you do this professionally, but if you were not in your current career, you were in some other career where a lot of demands were on your time and you didn't have the kind of time to really dig in, what were the minimum factors that you would want to look at and understand before investing in a, in a company. Thank you, and you have a great show. Keep it up. Okay, from, there, there'll be two things you need to know. First, from a macro, micro, micro, macro and micro. Macro, you kind of have to understand the environment you're in, the interest rate environment, the economic cycle that you're in. Where are we in that cycle? So, and I'm not going into details about that, but you kind of kind of understand what the cycle is economically and interest rates. Okay, right now we're kind of having a high cycle on interest rates, right? And we're on a we're on a downward, slowly downward cycle on the economy, but not very deep so far. Okay, then from a micro point of view, you look at stocks that do well in a rising interest rates environment or a high interest rate environment and stocks who do poorly in that. And there's all there there are charts on the internet. All you do is put economic type in search for economic and stock market cycles and you'll see that the stock market moves up prior to the economic cycle moving up from a low. And you'll see that the stock market starts to move down 
when the economic cycle is high. Okay? So, the wasn't the economic cycle high before they started raising interest rates? Yes, it was. Okay? It's not even that, that there wasn't that much damage done to it so far, even though they rose interest rates. So, from a company point of view, you have to also understand value stocks versus growth stocks. And when's a good time? Yeah, it's a bad time to buy value stocks when interest rates are very, very low. That's a time to buy growth. And so vice versa. Now, from an individual company point of view, you want to, uh, in this environment, buy good value stocks with not that are not too expensive with P.E. ratios. And therefore, you need to know what the average P.E. ratio for every average industry. These are basic things that you kind of have to know. And once you know them, it's not hard to know them. Once you know them, you'll be a much better investor. You also can just buy index funds, buy them, hold them, and just ignore everything else. You can do that. You've got to hold them for 10 years plus, 10 years or more. You can do that, and you'll be successful. Okay? Okay, debt ceiling. The debt ceiling comes, it's already, yeah, the due date is already passed, but now everybody has a deadline of June 1st. June 1st. And there's some kind of unusual solutions. If the government can't agree, you realize the Secretary of State can do certain things if they want to. They can use the 14th Amendment of the U.S., which allows allows the authorities to issue new denominations of uh, currencies. There's even talk of a $1 trillion coin, a $1 trillion coin. Mind you, this course would not be in circulation. They would keep it, but they would issue a trillion, several trillion dollar coins. They could do that. Of course, what will that do to our economy? I don't know. Or how about a new premium government bond? A premium government bond that pays a lot higher interest rates or what they call console bonds. That a bond, a government bond that never matures and pays a much higher interest rate. There's certain things they could do to avoid the default on on certain on debt that could extend it. That's possible, but not, I think, politically probable. Okay? So I just want to point out that there's things that the Secretary of Treasury can do. Oh, yeah, go read the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and you'll see why that what gives and our, our current Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, used to be the, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, what she can do. Now, I say can, I put stress on can do as opposed to will do or should do. Okay, let's keep things moving and pivot back to an InvestTalk voice bank question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is James. I have a question on the uh, money market fund, PCOXX. Is there any risk involved in this uh, investing in this fund? Uh, please advise. Thank you. Okay, this is a money market fund from the principal life insurance company, okay? Uh, and is there a risk? There's always risk in everything. It's just pretty minor, okay? Pretty minor risk. I don't know what they buy. What are they holding in this particular it's principal uh, money market fund, so I'm not able to pull up right quickly because it's a you know principles of life insurance company. Every life insurance company and every money company has a bunch of money market funds. 
I personally, you need to just pull them up, look them at, look it up, and see what they buy. If I, I personally think you should be in short-term money market fund should be a short-term treasury money market fund. I feel most comfortable in that area. Okay, um, but I can't tell what this one is. It's just not possible. Okay, uh, not from what I have in front of me. Paul San Rafael. Hi, Paul. Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I want to get your take on um, the ETF that I'm holding. It's a VO. It's the Vanguard uh, mid-cap ETF. And I, I kind of loaded up a little bit uh, a year or so ago thinking that mid-caps would outperform. So I'm still holding it. In a, in a balanced portfolio. I just want to get your take on what you think about continuing to hold it, or is it time to let something like that go? Okay. This is a Vanguard mid-cap fund, and I like Vanguard. They're very low-cost funds. Uh, Exchange-traded funds, you can perform corresponding to the U.S. mid-cap index. So it will have both growth stocks and value stocks. Its a, market cap is $50 billion, so it's really a large ETF. And I think, you know, if you look at it, if you look at the chart, it has done fairly well. I mean, it, you know, I'm comparing that to the stock market, okay, in general, especially growth stocks. It hasn't been too bad. It's at $206. Yeah, it was over 240 250 a few years, a couple, three years ago, the 2000, you know, early 2022. And last year, it from, went from 240 all the way down to 182 but has recovered uh, recovered to 227, fell down to 197. Now it's back up to 206 after peaking at 212. So it's in this range, and I think this would be a good time to just sit on it. No, don't don't panic out. I'm hoping you don't have too much of it because you know you need to be more multi-cap. Okay, large. Uh, I would be more comfortable with large companies right now, but I would start teasing into the small companies too just not if you're using index funds okay um if you're loaded up the mid cap frankly i think they'll do well over any length of time they will do fine you just have to kind of grit your teeth and hold it through the tough times and you're in a tough time right now thanks for the call i appreciate it thank you all i appreciate it Justin Klein, I have been telling you for a while now that we are in a new market environment, and cycles are a natural part of almost everything in life, and there's an economic cycle and a stock market cycle, and what are we in? We're in a bear market right now, where there's bull markets follow bear markets, just like, you know, day follows night. There will be a bull market that's going to come, and if you're a serious investor, you need to adjust your thinking to fit the times. Our times for the next few years, in my opinion, is going to be higher inflation, not as high as we had, but higher inflation and higher interest rates. Okay? So we just have to learn to adjust to that new environment, I think. And, you know, that's all there is to it. Now, if you're having trouble with that, or if you, you know, if you need help with that, we are here to help. KPP Financial, Justin Klein's and my company, we're here to help you. We're in Orange County, California, between San Diego and L.A. County, uh, that which is, you know, um, Orange County is right in the middle between the two. And uh, we're in Irvine, California, which is in the South Orange County area. And we'll be happy to help you. 
We have a philosophy of independent thinking to share its success, and we implement that by parallel investing, meaning and we define that as we buy it for ourselves, the same thing we buy for our clients, the same issue, same stock, same bonds. We got five programs from very risky to very non-risky, and I'm in each one of those programs with my own money. And if you want to talk about it or talk about just your portfolio in more detail, send us a copy of it, you can do that. Just call the KPP Financials Office in Irvine, California, or go to our website and send us an email. And I think you'll find us very different than in a very short period of time than your standard money market fund, uh, money market manager. You're, we are a registered investment advisor firm, so that's what we are, registered investment advisors. Okay, and we can help you. We want to help you. You just got to give us the opportunity to do so. And the sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you. Okay, so please contact us. Okay, um, um, China's debt. We don't talk about it very much anymore. We haven't, you know, no one really is interested anymore. And that's when the time that you should start to think about it. China's debt vert to their GDP. Uh, it's estimated to be 279%, okay, which is a record high. This was in first quarter, by the way. It's a record high of how much debt they have to their GDP. So they are pretty much as poorly off as we are. Now, what's interesting is they, remember, we don't count Social Security liabilities as part of our debt, which is not too smart, I think. I think we should count it. But China also doesn't count their loans to local government financing vehicles, local government financing vehicles. They don't count loans to those as debt in their nationwide GDP. So they don't count everything either. Now, I don't know what that means, how much that means for that area. But their household GDP uh, to debt is 63%. Uh, their um, financial sector is 16, 166%, which is the highest area there. And government sector is 50.7% because they don't count the loans of local government financing vehicles, which are huge, like our Social Security. I'm trying. The reason why I mentioned Social Security at all is because I don't want you to think that they're really getting away with a lot. And they probably are. They're probably lying about their numbers anyways. But we also lie. Well, lie. you know how you can lie with the truth? Well, the truth is our GDP is much smaller than that, but we're still pretty high, pretty high. But we're lying with the truth by not including Social Security debt in whenever we talk about GDP to debt ratios. Just pointing it out. That's all I am. Let's keep things moving and swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank, 888-99-CHART. Hey, this question is for Steve or Justin. This is James from Georgia. Love the show. Calling about Ryerson. That's ticker symbol RYI. I've had it for a long time, and it's my best performing uh, stock in my portfolio. I was curious to know what your outlook is for this stock. Uh, What's it looking like going forward, if you have any advice? Once again, we love the show, and thanks. Have a good evening. Okay, this is uh, Ryerson Holding, RYI. It's a Small cap, $1.2 billion, process and distributes industrial metals in the United States, Canada, Mexico, and China. Uh, it's going to make, it made $10.54 per share 
last year, 2022. This year, it's going to make 377. Next year, 390. And sales are falling pretty hard. So, uh, and the stock has acted very well. It's done very, very well. Near its 52-week high. I would take some profits off the table. That's what I would do. Uh, it looks like it's a really cheap P.E., but it's a $34 stock, going to make $3.90 next year. So what is that, 9 Okay. Um, so I think uh, I, I think it's time to take some off the table because it's done so well. I mean, in June of 2020, it was a f- under $5 stock. Uh, a year ago, a year ago, it was uh, thir- uh, $26 to $30, and today's 34 so I, I think it's done very well. It looks like it's hit a ceiling and having trouble getting above 40. And so maybe it should take some off the table here. I'm not telling you to get completely out of it. Very good. doesn't have too much debt. Return equity is really high at 57. Cash flow is very high at $12.51. Pays a 2.1% dividend. Management owns 3%. And mutual funds have been slowly buying over the last year. So all those are very positive things. So, you know. I don't know if I would, I wouldn't get rid of it on my portfolio, but I wouldn't hesitate to take some off the table, pocket some of that profit. This is Invest.com, I'm Steve Peace, and we have one goal here, everybody, and you know what it is, to help you achieve financial freedom. We want you to achieve that financial freedom. And of course, the work will continue, the work we are doing right now, right after this break. 888-99-CHART, Nick from Manhattan Beach, hang on, you'll be next. got finance and investment questions and Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready with their unbiased answers. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Nick in Manhattan Beach. That's in Southern California. Hi, Nick. Hi, Steve. Happy Monday to you. Thank you. Calling to uh, chat, chat about, I guess, the topic du jour, which is um, the the coming debate over our uh, raising our national debt ceiling. And mm-hmm. just, I basically want to talk about U.S. government debt in general. Um, we've been in a persistent deficit. It's nothing new. I think right. last year the government spends about you know six, $6.3 trillion, but we only take in about $4.9 trillion in tax revenues. Right. So we're spending more than we're making as a country. Um, and I guess we we fund the deficit by borrowing, obviously. Yeah. But what do we pay back those borrowed dollars in? Do we? I guess we essentially print it. The Federal Reserve prints it. Mm-hmm. And I, my question is, why do global investors who buy that government debt? Why do they put up with this and demand such a low interest rate? You know, is it because? That, go ahead. Is it because we're basically the best option relative to? Other other uh, government debt that were more reliable? Is it something to do with the U.S. Navy? Is it something to do with our ch- system of checks and balances? I'm wondering what the difference is. Thank you. Yeah, the, 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 the main reason is the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency of the world. It's solid and stable. Even in inflation terms, we don't have a lot of inflation versus other people's currency. Remember, the only difference is, is is a dollar versus the euro versus the Japanese yen versus the Chinese yuan versus the Mexican peso or the Brazilian peso. 
Which one do you think has less inflation and a stronger economy? This is so you got to step back and look at it from a macro point. What what currency and what country is the most stable? And and you have to answer us, even though I'm just as surprised as you as we're getting away with murder with how much with a lack of how much we people demand for our uh, interest rate for our federal debt. The government issues bonds, and they pay very, very low interest rates. It have been for years now, zero practically, and yet it's being purchased. Surprise is a heck out of me. It's not a healthy way to be, I can tell you that. Now the debt is going to cost a lot more, and we have so much of it, it's going to eat more and more into our tax dollars. But... Think about this. Doesn't our government want inflation because they can pay back the debt in inflated dollars in the future, which is worth much less than it is now with inflation? They kind of want inflation, don't they? I mean, how are they going to pay back this debt? They're they're probably not ever going to pay back the debt, ever. They're just going to roll it more and more debt. At some point, they're going to have to – it's going to start affecting the economy big time, and they're going to have to do something – but it hasn't happened yet. Good question, though. Very good question. Appreciate it, Nick. Appreciate it. Let's go to Bill in Northern California. Hi, Bill. Hi, Steve. Uh, hey, before I ask you about my stock, I don't know if you have enough time right now, but I was going to ask you about your, your main fund that you guys uh, run in your program and how much cash you have in it currently um, and, and, and how that's changed from, like, last year, and have you – bought more stocks in the last year or just traded in and out of different ones or what's happening well, you know, We have five different programs and one of the most conservative is all bonds that we buy and hold to maturity. And the other, uh, other end of that risk schedule is all stocks, 100% stocks. And so it depends on which program you're talking about. And we have one that's, uh, I would, I'd be uh, talking about the stock, the stock fund. Okay. Specifically. Most of the stock funds that we have right now are almost fully invested. We probably have about, 10%, 12% cash left because we've been slowly putting it back to work. Okay? So I think that, you know, you've heard me on the radio. I'm sure you heard Justin on the radio saying that this year is not going to be the greatest. But just like Warren Buffett, you buy when everybody else is a seller and you sell when everybody else is a buyer and everybody's still pretty nervous um, with the market right now. So we need to think it, you know, we... We think it's a good time to start thinking about getting back in the market full time. Okay? And you never should leave the market full time. And I'm sorry, we're not going to have time to get back, get to your Blackstone question. BX is what you want to talk about. Call tomorrow and we'll, we'll top of the show and we'll get right to it. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley and this completes another Investor program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads if you would. And you can get your download anytime, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you use iTunes, iTunes, please be sure to rate us. We like a review and rating on iTunes. And we have surpassed 52 million downloads. We appreciate that from all those people who are doing that. I do really, we help. You know, it really helps us. Thank you. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media, independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night, everybody. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. 
Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.